What is up? What is good? How you living? How you feeling? How you doing? It is the L-E-F-K-O-E man. And it is time to have a conversation, not just about the sports themselves, but the world around the economy, the stock market of sports that has been booming from 2020 into 2021 and making a return appearance on the Left Coast Show is the founder and are you the CEO of Alt? I am, yeah. Of Alt, which uh, is an up-and-coming, thriving, just announced that they had tons of investors from Larry Fitzgerald and and, and uh, Alexis Ohanian, uh, and they just launched their marketplace last week, Lior Avidar. For those that have been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, Lior joined us after purchasing the LeBron card that kind of opened up everybody's eyes to the boom that was happening in the sports card world. Uh, he is also the CEO and founder of Blob. How are you, Lior? I'm doing good, but you, you have a lot of energy today. I want some of that. I, uh, I had Jordan Schultz on uh, today, uh, and that uh, came out earlier in the week, uh, and he is a bundle of energy, and I got NBA on TNT tomorrow. So the, en- the engine's back going again, man. I love that. Um, Full disclosure, because I think it's important to disclose honesty about things. Uh, when I moved from New York to Atlanta, I sent a bunch of my cards to Alt. I had become, I kind of got to know Lior pretty well and also Chris, Chris Action Jackson, who we had in there. So I do have my stuff in Alt. Uh, when the marketplace went live, it was really cool to check it out. And so let me just open it up to you right now. It's been, it's the marketplace up and running for what, five days? Not even. Yeah, four days days. at the time we're recording this. Um, What has it been like? You know, this was this was your big idea. Well, how's it been so far? Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's crazy to see we have over three thousand cards listed already. Uh, The transactions have been coming through. It's been people are really excited. The wait list is rolling. We've been letting people in. I've just been excited. I've been doing this now for five years and never. Two years ago, if you were to ask me who was going to build something that would change the infrastructure for the hobby, I would have said somebody else and I would love to help them. And then probably eight months ago, I would have said, okay, still the same answer. And then finally, six months ago, when no one was changing anything, I was like, okay, it's got to be me. So I'm just excited to start sharing what we've been working on for the last six months. And we put in a lot of hard work. The team's been working really hard. So we're just excited to get feedback from people and for people to test it out. You have big investors, which means you had to have had an elevator pitch. What was your elevator pitch for Alt? Uh, and so that people that are either in the hobby or trying to understand uh, the market value of sports cards, how would you pitch it to them? I mean, the one liner is we're trying to make a platform that allows people to invest in sports cards as easy as stocks, as simple as that. But the real premise behind it is I really believe that our generation and future generations are no longer investing in just traditional stocks or bonds. And they're moving towards a lot of uh, assets that are more aligned with what they care about. And sports is a really big one. And so I've seen over time people invest in sports cards, sneakers, art, and what they share in common are kind of like three key uh, pillars. One of them is nostalgia, which is kind of a representation of our culture, the true scarcity in nature, and then just the beautification of the piece itself. And so as these are starting to turn to true alternative assets, I really wanted to create a platform that you can actually go and transact. And so I've seen a lot of people who have amassed really large collections try to go to a bank and say, hey, I would, I want to buy a home, right? I have this big portfolio of cards. Can I get a loan? Can I get a mortgage against it? And people laugh at you, right? They're like, this isn't a real asset. 
And, and the truth is over the last decade, these are real assets. There are very liquid markets and the infrastructure to go and actually allow you to go do those mechanisms should exist. Uh, and so I, I really wanted to create that place. So that's what inspired me. And that's what I pitched people. I said, alternative assets are becoming a lot more mainstream. I have built my career on building infrastructure products. And so I was really excited to kind of build the infrastructure for this new emerging ecosystem. What is it like? What was it like for you to use eBay for all of these years? And how much did that experience impact the way that you created Alt? I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with eBay as many as probably That's many. the reason I ask, because a lot of us, we we love it when one of our cards sets a good comp on eBay. Yeah. Uh, we, we love it that we can see the auctions and there's a rush we get. But from returns to, uh, you know, not being sure and actually being lied to and conned and, you know, shill bidding and that, there's a lot of things that we don't like. So I was curious how that impacted all. Yeah, I mean, it definitely had. And I've, I've talked to eBay over the years. Yeah, I, my first instinct is always to help people, right? Like, I, ha I have an entire company at Lob. It's been my primary responsibility. I really wanted, I went to eBay and I was like, hey, here are all the things you should fix it. But I think the problem with eBay is not only the fact that they're a really large company at this point, but it focuses on the users as well. Like, it is no longer you're dealing with somebody else through the platform, right? There's, there's a feedback score and that other person can be a bad actor and that affects your experience uh, on eBay. And so, man, like two, three weeks ago, I bought a Naomi Osaka card, super excited about it. I hit the buy it now. You're a poser. That feeling that rush. I was like, yes. You're a poser. Yeah. What? Copy, copy in my Naomi Osaka. I understand. It's a no, beautiful you, okay. card. For those out there, like Adam 100% told me about it. He got me excited. I saw one of one. I wanted it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get one for the fund. And I bought it and I got all that excitement. I paid. And then, you know, the seller reaches out and says, sorry, but a, another, another person bought it before you. And I'm like, Damn. no, no, it, no, that's not how eBay works, right? Like whoever buys it, they don't allow you to have two different people purchase it at the exact same time. And probably they had some sort of like buyer's remorse. And I was like, that's not cool. Like, at least just tell me the truth. Um, and I think the part that's hard is you actually know who that person is. And I'm not going to deal with that person in the future. And mm. so like those type of interactions over time, while it's more my energy is towards the seller, it comes up because eBay is supposed to be helping us in those types of transactions. And similarly, I've just had a lot of poor interactions where I've sold something to somebody and I did get that great comp. And maybe that person got injured. Um or in the 30 days, like the prices went down and people start returning it. And, you know, if we're really trying to think of this as an alternative asset, you can't return it, right? If I buy, you know, a, a share of Apple stock before earnings and it goes down, there's no undo button, right? Like, and so like the mechanics of, of the market for, for cards has evolved and eBay has not evolved and they're trying to address it, but they're not addressing it fast enough. And I think a lot of it comes down to the fact that there's a lot of new technology out there. And really so how are you? How did you guys fix it? Well, well, small startups right away can start utilizing that from the start. And so we, we are more agile. We're a smaller company. We can start putting in some of these opinionated solutions in place. Uh, and we don't have to adjust old infrastructure. And so, for example, one of the cool things about Alt is everything is in our custody. Right. And so at that point, when you're buying something, we can just ship, like, shift what vault it's in. And we can send the money directly to the to the seller. And that part, honestly, like until I actually sold my first item on alt, like I was like, wait a second, I, 
I have the cash already. I can go and buy something. I don't have to wait 30 days or five days or whatever it is until the, the buyer pays me. That was really cool. And so you just, you start having this newfound confidence when you're doing transactions that like, there's like, even after you pay, there's not something that can go wrong. And mm-hmm. so for me, that's, you know, it comes down to the fact of our infrastructure. We could build it the right way from the start, as opposed to having to change this behemoth into something different. And you got to remember, eBay isn't just for sports cards. They're they're selling a lot of different things. And so oh, no. what might work for sport cards might not work for their other things. And so they can't just make a unanimous decision to change their entire platform just for sports cards. Uh, you mentioned the bank loans. I feel like this is something we talked about before and you wouldn't like let me in on exactly what it was going to be. Uh, I, I, for example, getting ready to get married. Uh, and I, I know that I'm going to need liquid soon to like it, but I also am like, I don't want to give up on these investments or these cards. Like one, I love the cards and it's like, why do I have to sell Bo Jackson to pay for flowers? Like, that's crazy. I love Bo uh, and I don't want to get them back later. So how, how does that work with the loans and stuff? And then also how would you respond to people that go, that sounds really dangerous? Uh, yeah. So we haven't completely like finalized the product, but the goal is, is that there are many w- ways to drive liquidity into the market and loans are a really unique and creative structure that you can do that. However, you do have to protect users uh, and customers from themselves. So we don't allow short selling or any type of those things that exist in the market. And so uh, similar to when you get a loan for anything, you are pledging a collateral. Uh, and so we are really trying to define how that works. And so if you do have let's say like a $10,000 portfolio, we will figure out the right way to actually lend it to you an appropriate interest rate in order for you to be able to maintain your cards and the upside of those cards, but get that liquidity. And so uh, we're not launching it yet. We're trying to get the core marketplace up and running. This is something that over time, we want to explore all the different types of services that banks provide, right? Why do all these people who have, you know, why do the ultra wealthy with stocks, bonds, and real estate get all these options but for those of us that are investing in sports cars or sneakers and art, the only option that we have is just hit the sell button on eBay. And so there's a lot of different things that we're going to be experimenting with. We're going to see how our customers respond. But the goal is that these are real assets and we want to have all the different options that people in these other asset classes have. Yeah, that would be my, my only thing is I'm, I just... Uh... You know, if you suddenly see a dip or something like that and you've loaned it out at a certain price, I wouldn't even know how that would work. That's, that yeah. sounds And, and those crazy. are the mechanics that if we want to do it right, we want to do what's right for our customers. And so we're learning, like we're not the first ones to be able to, you know, take a loan against cards. There's other companies in our space who have done it. And so we're just trying to take what people have started and piggyback off of it and really fine tune it so that it's, we can scale it up for everyone in the hobby. My number one thing that I have when I talk to people in the hobby that upsets me is everybody says that making the value of the cards based on what they're selling on eBay is a flawed campaign because uh, are auctions normally more accurate than than buy it nows? Of course. Um, But the amount of times that I'm seeing cards being reposted uh, after selling and not being paid for, uh, and then the speed of the market and how quickly it moves, where like people list it, you know, for a 12 hour auction the very next day, it might catch that window of that fake price. Um, one thing I noticed when I was kind of looking around at alt is there's this alt value and you've explained it to me before. It's like a Zestimate or whatever they call it on Zillow. And they look at a house. Um, what, how, how does that work? How does, what are you guys using or the algorithm and, and 
is this a solve in your mind for how the fact that we're so reliant on eBay? Yeah, I mean, the goal is, is that we, in the future world, we can look at all the verified transactions and that's key, right? That's gonna take us time. Like I wanna know which auctions get paid for. I wanna know what golden auctions or heritage auctions actually get paid for because those are real prices, right? And so the goal is we, we want to have the best data set. Wait, so are there golden auctions and heritage auctions that go off and then they don't even get paid for? You know, I, I don't work at those companies, but I have okay. to assume that not everything gets paid for. It just, you know, the amount of times that people are shill bidding right now, I'm sure that something is happening. It's just not 100%. It's right? my fear. Yeah. Yeah. That, so it's my fear too. And so I'm not saying that it's happening at those places. Yeah, exactly. I'm not saying it's, but I want to partner with people over time and I want to be able to verify. And I think it's okay. Like there might be a situation where you bid on something and it didn't work out, but imagine that we can get all the transactions that were real and we can clean it up, right? Those are real data points, just like the stock market. We look at pri you know, previous transactions and we can utilize that to start creating different types of valuations to anchor prices so that people, when they're buying a card or selling a card, we can anchor them and saying, hey, here's how much we think it's worth. Uh, and that's the goal of the alt value. Like over time, the more liquid the market becomes, the alt value should go completely away because if we're having a lot of liquid sales, the last price is really what the alt value is. However, there's a lot of cards that just don't sell every single second or every single day like stocks do. And so you need a proxy for that price. And so a lot of people are doing this logic in their head. You know, they know that if, uh, a 2003 LeBron PSA 10 is selling, they can figure out what the BGS 9.5 or the PSA 9 price is. Or they know that if a gold refractor hasn't sold for two months, they know which cards they can go and anchor and start circulating a price, right? And we call those comps in our industry. And so there's a lot of different mechanisms for comps. You can use the comp of the same player, but a different parallel. You know, just as I mentioned, you know, we can use the gold prism and look at the, you know, nowadays there are so many different colors, the blue prism, the red prism in order to triangulate our triangulate a price for the purple prism. We can start looking at a different player, right? We know there's a ratio between Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. And so what we're doing is we're coming up with the main logic that people are utilizing in the hobby. And we're just putting a program around it. We're modeling it. And so instead of people doing this math by hand, we'll do it for you. Uh, and we'll basically put it out there as a predictive price. Mm. Well, let's zoom out 30,000 feet. Uh, Cause I haven't talked to you about this in a long time. Uh, what is your state of the hobby right now? As we just passed the one year anniversary of quarantine starting, which also coincided with the one year super boom and really my entrance into this. I think I bought my first card last week, a year ago. Um, from, from your view, what has this last year been like? Where are we now compared to where we were then? I still think we're at the start. Um, I still think we're at the start. Can we talk about that? Let's laugh about that. I laugh about this. We're in the second inning. We're in the second inning. You have been in this hobby since you were how old? Like how long ago? I mean, truly, I... I did a couple, like when I was young in 1996, I collected cards. Like I didn't have anything big. Like that was I got, 25 years ago. You got in originally. Yeah. And then in 2016, my dad sent me a bunch of cards back. My most expensive card in 2016 was a Dennis Rodman premium players. I got it graded. It was a PSA 10. It was like, I sold it for like $50. So just kind of put in comparison, like the type that of that was card five years ago. Yeah. And so how can we be in the second inning now? What, what inning was it five years ago? It was, we wasn't even playing a game yet. We were, we were warming up back then. It the mm. game hasn't even started. And, and some might say the game still hasn't started, but the reason I say that we're early on is 
the infrastructure, like the, literally the tools and things that we are using are just getting started. If you think about the ecosystem of the hobby, like the tools that we use, whether it's blowout forums, the auction companies, eBay, these are old companies. They have not innovated in this space for many years. And only in the last year have a bunch of awesome tools come out, right? We have Card Ladder for Research. We have PWCC. We have Alt. We have all these securitization companies like Rally and Collectible and Otis. Those just started. Mm. We got to give those time and those companies to evolve. And every day I'm hearing about new companies that are coming in, coming into the space. That to me, it's just a start, right? These companies are going to innovate and a lot of really interesting things are going to happen over the next 10 years. You know, that said, I think the hobby is evolving. And what we see today as the status quo is not going to be the status quo in 10 years. And so those are the hypotheses and things that I like thinking about what is going to stay the same, what is going to be different. And so I do think like the biggest thing is that there is going to be a gap. There is a gap between the low end version of cards and the high end versions of cards. And that gap is widening over time. And so we always talk about the market as a whole. They're actually two separate markets. Hmm. And so I think those are the type of things that are just evolving over the last year. Mm. No, I like that. I, the, the, cause I always laugh about we're early because that is the eternal debate when you are looking at any form of alternative asset is, am I early or am I late? Uh, how, how often when you talk to people in the hobby, do they ask you that? You know, what do you Probably think? Every, every single time. And I mean, it's really important to understand the mechanics of the hobby. Like you talked about this 25 year effect. We talked about it last time, you know, 1996 was the first year that serial numbers came out. And so 25 years later, that's when people are starting to get the disposable income. And so that's the first generation of serial numbered cards who are actually starting to buy it. And that started in, you know, 1996 So 2021 is the 25 year. That's the start, right? Mm. The 25 year effect of collectibles has occurred for many generations. And so if you really use that 25 year effect and you really believe in it, 2021 is really year zero. Okay, but 2021 is also the warm-up stage of NFTs and digital collectibles and digital assets and non-fungible tokens. Do you believe that NFTs and, and something like sports cards are in competition with each other? Or do you believe that they're completely different things entirely for completely different collectors and investors? I think they're completely different. I think they're both going to exist. I think NFTs, people are just learning and getting educated about it, right? The NFT market is exploding and a lot of people don't realize the connection to this concept of the metaverse, a shared virtual reality. And more and more people obviously are believing that that's going to be in existence in the future. And so they are betting on that. It is very early on. The price movement of NFTs is more about the excitement and speculation of the NFT market and not so much as the players. If you look at a specific player comparing it to sports cards and NFTs, the sports card market actually reflects the player movement a little bit more than the NFT market. And that's just a sign of maturity, right? At, at, at any point, these are bets, right? If you're buying a Luka Doncic moment or a Luka Doncic card, if Luka does well, which one is actually going to go up? What is the correlation between the player and the actual medium that you are investing in? The correlation right now, I mean, you know, very finance heavy terms, the correlation is a lot higher in sports cards because it's mature and the amount of investment in the hobby itself is not a premium. It's not taking over that effect. In NFTs, it's completely taking over. If the NFT market goes down, even if you bought a LeBron James moment, right, it will go down. And so it's just the early signs of a new market. I think people are really excited about it. 
I've been investing a lot of time and space to try to understand it. It doesn't hit the same nostalgia for me as, as sports cards, but that doesn't mean that it won't exist. So mm. whenever I get skeptical about something, I, I try to really dive in. So I think they're just different mechanisms. I think right now, a lot of people who speculate on cards are speculating on NFTs, but the true base of people, I do think they're different. I, did you see all the videos and stuff coming out of Dallas this past weekend from the card I show? I did. I was very jealous that I didn't go. So the amount of FOMO that I got, because here's the thing, I still have never been to a card show, but the amount of FOMO that other people that I talked to in the hobby, the amount that they had was giving me FOMO. And, and what, you know, what, when you see these videos of $400,000 deals going down trades, when you're seeing pictures and videos of enormous conference halls, was this something that you've seen? Because again, I'm still learning. Is this all new? And then also, what does that show you about the hobby? I mean, the thing that gets me the most excited is I see those things and I'm like, I cannot wait for people to see the evolution of card shows over the next two years. That's going to yeah, be- well, well, let's take, let's make and some hypotheses about that. I, I think you are going to see a combination of, for those that have been to like a Super Bowl type of experience or sneaker con, there's going to be a lot more things to do at these events. It's not going to be, you know, there's going to be great food. There's going to, you know, it's just going to look a lot different. Um, there's going to be a lot more fun outside of just trading cards, right? Like pe- these are sometimes people are going just to look at these cards right? Not even to transact. Like sometimes you just want to see it. So I think you want to go for it. Well, I was going to say there's definitely like a museum aspect of it where you go there and you take a look at it. The 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 thing that I always hear from people, and this is would be a fear of mine, because when I go to a card show, I want it to still have the feeling of whatever the old card shows are. I don't necessarily need the super commercialized aspect. So when you say that, what are the things that you definitely need to keep as you take it to the next generation. Cause you don't want to just steamroll it and be like, welcome to the Panini 10. You can get a Panini yeah. face tattoo. Like nobody's going there for that. So what do you need to keep and what do you like? And just to, to not ruin it. Yeah. I mean, the core is people want to see cards, right? People want to see things that they've never seen before that they can't have. Um, so we got to make sure that that stays. The focus is cards. It's not on everything else, right? It's still about transacting. It's about negotiating. It's, it's about meeting people. It's about practicing your business skills. And so that's that's got to be the core. But I do think that we'll start seeing, you know, a more inclusive, more dem- like the demographic of people who are going to attend is going to start getting wider. Like I'm seeing a lot more younger kids attend these. Cards are an intergenerational thing. Like people are sharing it with their with their kids, with their parents. And I think it's going to be a more of a familial thing. I, I don't think- All right I saw now, were kids. You're telling me that there's not usually this many kids? There's not, there's not this many it, over because, the last. Wow. Yeah. All I see time, are just kids and 20 somethings. And I, pay, I say, oh, okay. This is, I think it's the new generation of a lemonade stand. So in like 10 years, when these kids are applying for college, instead of saying like, this was my first business, they're going to be saying, I was flipping cards. This is how I learned about business. This is why I'm applying to business school or X, Y, and Z, or this is how I paid my way through school. So you know, the hustle is there. The hustle is real. But I think, you know, the people who have actually started in that hustle, that's new over the last five to seven years. I had not seen that, you know, back when I was trading cards or when I started in 2016, every year that's increasing more and more. So I think a lot of people are coming into it right now too. 
Yeah, that's so interesting because the only experience that I have are seeing like these young kids in conference rooms or hanging out afterwards and they're having like trade nights and all that stuff. And so I didn't even think about the fact that there there probably was a much older clientele that was just doing this and idly walking around. Yeah, I never thought about that. I think what we'll lose over time is the seriousness, like the seriousness sometimes when you're going and you go up to somebody and you're like, how much for that card? And they just don't even look at you like $200. Oh, it's like poker. You don't want, you want to do a poker face. Yeah. Or they're just, they're the rudeness of that. It, it should be like, Hey, like this is $200,000 right? story <sighs> around it. Like, let's just be honest. It's a $200,000 card. You don't have to not look at me and tell me that it's $200,000 and make me feel bad if I can't afford it. Right. And so I think that will go, it'll just be like, I think people are going to start getting a lot more comfortable with what they have and interacting with people. Um, I, I really hope that that's the case. Like, it's like people will be okay if you're just coming to look at it, not just like right now, if you're just looking on it, it's like, move on. Right. I'm waiting for mm. someone to actually like buy it. Like this is, this is a business, sir. This is not a viewing party. And I think the viewing party that's actually here to stay. Like people are paying to come to these shows because they have a base LeBron rookie and they want to see what the gold one looks like. Right. I want to go see, like there are cards that I've never seen before and I'm going around. I'm like, Oh my God, that's, that's it. That's the one that I was looking like. I always go to the shows and I'm like, can I find a Kobe Bryant PMG green? I have wanted that card since I was a kid. I just want to see it. I want to hold it. And it's, can and I do that? Like, is someone going to get mad at me? I really hope not. Right. You and still so haven't that, seen one. I have not seen one in person yet. You know, I've, I've seen one on auction. And I've, I have someone that, that has one, but I have not seen one. Like, I want to see what that green looks like. I've seen a couple of PMG greens, but I want to see what that Kobe green looks like. Like, I just mm. want to like hold it and be like, Okay, that was cool. Would it be more like the scene in Pulp Fiction where he opens the briefcase and like gold, like he showered in gold light? Or would it be like the intro to Baywatch where you would be like, and like running to it? Like, what do you think it would be? I think, well, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction, so unfortunately I don't. Oh my God, get the fuck out of here. But like, I can imagine, I probably will, that moment will get like cemented in my mind when I can see it. Like I, there's a lot of card moments that when I'm like holding a card or I see something at a show and I'm like, does anyone realize what this is? This is the one, right? Like I've been chasing this my whole life, Mm. right? Like, um, so like you, you shake, right? And so like, I don't know what it will be when I see the green. Um, but I do remember when I got the like $1.8 million LeBron card and some of the other cards I've you know bought for my collection, I'm like, you know, my eight-year-old self, what would I say? And I'm just like, it's really like, I'm like, this was for my eight-year-old self. This is for mm-hmm. the other people in the world who, you know, have been working really hard and have this goal. This is for them. That's what I feel like when I'm holding some of these cards. I, I think it was a Mike, oh, Wayne's World was, you're going to be... You will be mine. Oh yes, you will be mine. You probably have, have you seen Wayne's World? I also have not seen Wayne's World. And that was our conversation with Lior Avidar. Oh my god! Okay, you have a homework assignment. Um, th- yeah, no, we're definitely all just trying to please our eight-year-old self. Um, but I, I also think, like I saw, you're right. I did see people's IG stories where they're like, "I have a base LeBron, and I've never seen an X Fractor before." And, but you know, you see it online and, um, 
because I've really only lived this world online, what kind of experience do you think I'm going to have that first time where I'm actually seeing them in hand? And how different is that experience? I mean, it's much different. I mean, so it starts, right? First, you'll see a car that you've never seen before pop up on eBay, on Alt, you know, on IG, and you're like, that's the one, right? But when you hold it in your hand, it's something about like the having the possession of it and knowing that it literally, you could be the one walking home with it or like the feeling like, what if someone just comes up to you and runs away with it, right? Like, what am I going to do? And you're just realizing like how much money you're holding in your hand. And that's where I think like, you're like, whoa, right? There's like a, it like weighs a lot, right? Um, I don't know. That's what I think you'll feel like. You'll, you'll probably be, I could see you taking one and being like, and then trying to run really mm. quickly, seeing how long it's going to take for someone to catch you. That would be a funny video. It'd be like those kids that go into Foot Locker and pretend to run out and then the guy chases them and then they run back. Uh, random question. Uh, the LeBron, you bought the LeBron for 1.6 when? 1. 1.8. Excuse um, me. Oh man, June, July of 2020. What do you think it's worth now? More. <laughs> uh, <You d> <laughs> it's hard. I don't like speculating or throwing out prices on what I think. Um, I, I think it's worth more. That's probably like, you know, I like letting other people kind of speculate on what the card's worth. That's I in the fund, it. right? That card or is that the yours? Card, the card, the fund owns that. And I know a lot of people confuse the fund versus the company. You know, we wanted to also create a way for institutional investors and people who just didn't know a lot about this asset class to get used to it. And so we created a fund, like we are the experts uh, and we wanted to invest in some really cool things. And we knew that if the market was going to move up, the LeBron card was going to be one of the best cards to own. And so that's why we bought it. And that was kind of our underlying hypothesis. So the market has moved up, right? There are cards that have gone up 10X. I think at the high end, they, they don't always go up one-to-one. But when you see a 99 go for $1.5 million and it was, it was an eight and a half or a nine, I don't remember. The nine five, out of, yeah, the nine five, you know, out of 23 is clearly worth more than we bought it for. But by how much? Well, that depends. You only need two people to create a market. Um, mm. So we're not selling it yet uh, and probably not for many years, but I, I do believe that it will be worth quite substantially more. And, and I've said, there's going to be a lot of cards in the next two or three years that will sell for more than $10 million. And I believe that this one could be a 10 plus million dollar card, whether it's worth 10 million today, I, I don't know, but will it be worth in the future? I have high confidence that it will be. Let's zoom out again, 30,000 feet. The institutions that are being built that makes you over here say that 2021 is year zero of, of all of it. Um, what, what do you think are the main uh, institutions that need to be built and continue to be built uh, to make this a real trusted asset class in your mind? Well, we need an exchange. That's why the first thing that all build was an exchange. I think we're going to need a lot of different types of research products. You know, I think Card Letter has done a really good job. We've got to educate people, right? Right now, the two main questions that I get when someone, you know, hears about alt or about sports cards is number one, how much is this card worth? Two, how do I get it authenticated and graded? Right. And so I think there's going to be a lot of different things around those, right? The how, how much is it worth? I think there's going to be a lot of tools. Like we want it so that anyone can just go Google, go Google online and say, Hey, this is my card. And it spits out a price or an approximation. And then two, it should be really easy to know, Hey, should I send this card for grading? Right. Mm. And so I do believe over the years, there are going to be 
companies that come up, take a picture and they'll say, oh, I think this will be an eight or a six or a 10. You should send it into grading and here's our confidence level. I also believe that there's going to be apps that you take a picture and they'll say, this is your card, right? Like the That's the problem. key for me because it's, they don't even know what the set is. They don't know how to find the year. It's, they don't realize the card number, you know, it's all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there are so many different types of problems. The one thing that I think is critical for this ecosystem to succeed is for everyone to partner together. And what I mean by that is a lot of people have different data points that are useful and we need to integrate them together to create the best products. And so like one of the things that I've been trying to partner with people for alt is the catalog. And what I mean by catalog is like, what is a card right now? Like Beckett and PSA name things differently, right? The hobby sometimes calls a card something differently, right? And so Slab. first is that we, we all have to align on what is a card, right? If I show you a picture of a card, everyone should say the exact same name, right? And so once we solve that problem, everyone can start creating different products and saying, okay, I upload this card. This is the 2003 LeBron James Topps Chrome Gold Refractor, right? Until we can do that, we can't even speak the same language. And so I think the catalog is going to be really important. I think grading is going to be really critical. I think there's going to be a lot of evolution in grading over the years. I think the ancillary services to allow people to invest more into cards, I think they're going to be card indices so that people can actually instead of saying, I, I, I need to put this all together, I can buy a set, right? And not the set of like every single card in the top set, but I can I can buy the top 10 LeBron cards. Yeah, I think like Dibs is trying to do that with like ETFs of players and stuff. Yeah, so I think the all, again, this is just the financialization of sports cards that is happening over time. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of it. It's going to come in all different directions. I think the manufacturing is going to change. I think the dis distribution is going to change. You know, we've seen Panini try different things over the years. They're testing it out. Should we do Dutch auctions for single cards? Should we do it for boxes? Uh, hopefully they learn and they find and they listen to the customers and see, hey, what is the distribution that is fair to everybody? So not one single person goes to Target and just buys everything, right? Uh, and I do think we're going to start seeing artists come in. I think we're going to see a lot of different manufacturers come in. So I do think that almost every aspect of, and I always say like the supply chain, every aspect is going to have some sort of innovation, whether through the incumbents, so the people who are dominating the market today, but they're going to be challenged because I think there's going to be a lot of white space to innovate. Are you having fun making your hobby your job? You know, the part that brings me the most joy is watching all the people around me. Like I, I've built companies before, but I get the most joy of watching other people who haven't built a company build it. Right. And so for me personally, when I think about cards, like I enjoy it, it's a way for me to decompress. It's a way for me to meet people. And I want that to be something where I can focus on the community and meeting people and not the problems around it. Right. So that's one thing that just, that's the future that I want to see. But the part that just brings me joy is like, you know, we talked about Chris who introduced both of us watching yeah. Chris and Darius and all the other people that I've hired and the excitement that they have around something that they've been doing for so many years and seeing it evolve. Honestly, that brings me the most joy. Like I want, I see them doing it. And when they get super excited, that brings me the most joy. Like that's like, like in my, I'm like, Oh shit, I'm about to tear. It's just, I love watching those people build something and I can help enable that. Isn't it funny that people can have so much money invested in the hobby and then openly and publicly doubt it. And like, they think, oh, one day it's just all going to collapse. It just feels like a weird dichotomy to me sometimes. That they think like the card market is going to collapse? Yeah. I think everybody who makes money is always looking at themselves and being like, why is it? 
am I lucky? And so I think for this exact same reason, did they catch the market at the right time? I do think if you start looking at the data points, you'll, you start seeing like just the sheer number of people who are transacting, like the unique buyers. I know eBay published a lot of different insights. I know PWCC. There are a lot of people who are coming into this space and they are not just flipping, they are holding it. And so the true depth to this market gives me a lot of confidence that it's here to stay. And even after like, a, you know, as soon as we launched Alt, I got so many messages from people that I have worked with for the last 10 years. And they're like, I have been collecting cards. I'm thinking about getting back into it. Or I didn't know you were into cards. This has been something that I'm super passionate about. And here's why. And you start hearing all these stories. And those stories are what make me believe that this is here to stay. It's mm-hmm. not. And the stories aren't, hey, bro, I saw this. Can you help me make a quick, quick dollar? It's completely different. It's, hey, my son really loves this right? We've been doing this together for the last two years. So glad that you can create this. I'm wondering if there are ways that people can actually send cards to his or her vault uh, for his birthday. Or man, I sold, I got taken advantage 10 years ago because I needed some money and I had a really great, you know, 1952 Bowman set. And Mm. I sold them to the dealer and I didn't realize that he basically, you know, charged me 50% of what they're worth. So glad that now there's somebody out there who can actually, when it's time to sell or for the future, people who are selling, they'll actually can get the right price. You start hearing all these stories, right? And you start realizing it's not for the people who are trying to just make a quick you know, buck. It's for the people who've been collecting for, for quite some time and for the people who have wanted to, but didn't know how. Hmm. Think about it, man. You used to look at a Beckett guide, you know what I mean? For prices. Now I got a thing in the mail from Heritage and it's like, here's this card, expected price this much. And I was like, listen, man, that was two weeks ago. That price is completely different right now. It's it's really interesting to see how quickly it's evolving right now. Yeah. And I do think like we're, people will be humble. Like there will be an opportunity or there'll be a point in time when card prices do go down. It can't be, you know, I've been in, in the market and in cards where it wasn't oh, I saw the comp. Yeah, now it's 10% more. That's been the case for probably the last year, but it's not Mm. always the case. At some point it was, hey, it just sold uh, for $100 on eBay, right? I'll give you it for $90 off of eBay, right? Because that's a fair price, right? Or you start seeing it go down and people are like, okay, I know the last one was was at 100, but it's pretty volatile. So let's take the average of the last three, right? I think we're seeing a lot of irrational behavior right now. And that's just because it's emerging and the infrastructure is being built. But when it's mature, some things will go up and some things will go down and people will start learning kind of the dynamics. They won't always be so greedy. I think a lot of people right now in the hobby are very greedy, right? That greed will go away. There will be a humbling experience for everybody. And I'm not saying it's going to happen to the whole market, but not every card you can buy can just go straight up, right? At some that point, was, that's, that's my question is how far do you, like, how long do you think in, in everyone says there's going to be a resettling of the market and then we'll kind of have true values and it won't be as drastic. How, how soon do you think that's going to happen? How far are we away from that? I, I think it's happening already. We keep grouping everything as one singular market. It's not one singular market. There are different segments of the market and I think they're going to have bigger gaps. There's going to be the high end of the market and the high end of the market is going to function very different than the low end of the market. The low end of the market is correcting right now, Right. You told me before the call, the LeBron James base refract or base cards are going down. They're almost half the yes. cost. And so I think people have to ask why. Similarly, at a high end of the market, I think we're seeing an explosion. Why? Right. And so these markets behave differently. Right now, I keep saying that there's two different parts. 
But I also think that there's an, there's other ways. Like, for example, when you're buying rookies, I think there's a lot of volatility in speculating, right? When rookies come out of the gate, they go up, right? Because there's no data on these players, right? But then data comes in and they start going down or they start going even higher, right? Like Zion, Zion went up, then down. I think now it's a little bit up. You know, I think Lonzo Ball or... LaMelo Ball is flying right now. By the way, I think Lonzo Ball cards will go up because of LaMelo cards. I don't know Interesting. Lonzo's had six games of five or more threes. He's, they'll definitely go up if he's traded in the next two weeks because the trade deadline and all, unless he gets traded to like a crap team, but I think that he would be going somewhere else, but that's interesting. So you think the tie, then I would ask you, do you think that Dirk's cards are going to go up because of Luca? I mean, I think there's, that's a different, that's a little bit loose. I think international players are seeing their moment in time right now. And so I'm very bullish on, it's not even their cards. I think international players over the next 10 years or people who have played internationally are just going to have a lot more. I mean, they just have more experience because they start a lot earlier. They're going to be much better in the NBA than people like our system in the United States is broken. That's a whole different conversation. And so I do think, um, in what way we, we don't have, we don't offer a professional pathway to being a sports athlete, right? In Europe, they do. You can literally start, you can say at eight years old, I want to be a soccer player or an NBA player. And there are specific academies where they say you are an athlete first and they teach you that. And I think here I'm hearing like early rumblings of things starting to change, but here it's always, you are something else. And then an athlete. Just go hang out with LeVar Ball. He'll put you in the NBA. Two out of three kids. Pretty good track record. That is a pretty good track, but I think data points. We, we need an evolution of it. And again, we still want to educate people. So if it, if your NBA career does not work out, you need a skill set to follow back on. But anyways, we're, we're going on a, on a massive yep, 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 yep. I do think that when we're looking at the market, different markets are going to look differently. And so the speculative rookie class market, highly volatile. That will go up. That will not go down. There is just no way that if you buy every single rookie, they're all going to go straight up. Right? Mm. So we know that. So anybody who buys rookies, will one of them will go down. This is now just straight hobby talk. The fact that PSA bumped up their prices as much as they did, I think is going to severely limit the amount of base cards that are graded. And if you look at the last few years, there was a surge with Lucas and Trey's. Then there was a super surge with Zion uh, and everybody else in that draft class. Is there a chance that, because the prisms for this year haven't even come out yet, that Lamello's class is an on, is there going to be more value than put into the graded base cards or will base cards just not that matter that much? Cause I think we're going to get like, or like 15,000 or something like that with Lucas Zion could be like 20. Yeah. So this is the dynamic that I hope people listen and this is going to change. So what's going to happen is in the beginning, there will be a premium. Why? Because there's the population is going to be very low. So the people that paid for it, right. They, they will get that premium. However, at some point, PSA prices will go back to their normal levels. And then in the next two to three years, everyone will get their cards graded. Do you think PSA is going to lower their prices? I think they're doing, I, I have no idea. I have no idea. No in, way. Once you get people normal to high prices, what do you, that, that sounds like I bad business. I think they're business. just doing it based on supply and demand. Okay. And I think they're going to see other, uh, like people are going to still get the cards graded. They're going to go to SGC. They're going to go to Beckett. They'll go to some new company. And as soon as they start seeing that people want to get them graded, they're going to be like, okay, we need some sort of lower class uh, price point. Right. And so at the end of the day, I do think that over the next couple of years, you'll just see all the cards that didn't get graded in 2021 get graded. 
gotcha. this is why when I talk about vintage cards or that's why those get super manipulated. You look at the pop and you say, oh, there's only 50. And so the price goes up. Everyone who had them hmm. goes, gets them graded. And then the pop goes up and then the price go down. This pattern just keeps happening over and over again. And so you really have to understand not the pop. The pop is a portion of it. You have to understand the true, like, the true like serial number or the true like market cap of these cards. And so I think over time people will actually start talking about it differently, but yes, the, the, these, these rookie class cards right now for this year, they'll be very rare for a short period of time. They will go up. Right. And then two to three years, everyone will send them to, to PSA or whoever is the leading grading company. And then it will go right back down and then it will reevaluate. Mm. I have so many things I want to talk to you about. Uh, that are like, there's just like, what, what do you think of drama in the hobby when there's like competing forces or there's like a, like a business versus business? Like, what do you, what's your take on that? Cause you don't seem to be that aggressive of a guy. Yeah. I, I try to stay away from drama. It just doesn't bring me energy personally. That said, I mean, people love hearing about drama, right? So it makes for really good content. Um, so if you're asking me personally, I just, I hope it goes away, but also people love it because it creates something to talk about. Did you hear about, you know, this guy and what he said? And, oh my God, I heard that this person and this person are in cahoots. I'm like, who cares? <laughs> right. Wait, like I, I have a, I have a question for you, actually, when you or alt are bidding on something, is there ever that part where you guys wonder who are we bidding against right now? Oh, all the time. And I think half the time I think someone's manipulating it most, most of the time. Cause we, we look at all the weird things. We look at what time did this person bid at? Right. Um, what system and how many, you can tell how many people are you're actually bidding against and something, sometimes it doesn't add up, right? Like there's no logical. And again, some people are not logical, but there's no logical reason sometimes for something getting bid up at that point in time. So yeah, like there, there tends to be like no activity for the first hour. It's just you and this other person. And then all of a sudden, three hours later, there's four people. I'm like, really? Are there four people? Mm. And, and so I don't know. I, I, we do ask ourselves the question a lot. I also like, there's a lot of cards that when we lose, we ask who, who won that. Right. Um, I, I get, I feel a lot better when I see that I lose to somebody and they show the card because I'm like, okay, it was a real person, but there's a lot of cards that we lose. And I'm like, I have not seen this card. Right. And the people who would collect that card generally show their cards. So then I ask mm -hmm. myself, who did buy that card and why? Um, is this so something I, that I you guys want to add transparency to at alt? Like who's because I feel like what? that's like I feel like that's the big alt banner is like hobby transparency. Like I know I don't see auctions now, but is that something where like, dude, there's nothing I like less then going on there and no offense to PWCC, they do a great job with a lot of things, but it's like star, 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 two star. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. Like I, and, and I, I just want to know that I'm not getting screwed right now. I think that's the, the point. You feel like you're getting screwed, right? For some reason or another, and we can kind of talk through mechanically why that is, but I think that's what we need to remove. It's like, why, like, why let's, let's go and talk to people. Why did you feel the need to see that person's name and how do we create a system where you feel good about it, right? And so I have a ton of ideas around this for alt over time. I'm trying to talk to a lot of people. Like half the time I just go out there and I tell auction house, I'm like, here's how you could do a better job, right? Like just listen to your customers. Like they're telling you exactly what they want. And a lot of people just don't listen, right? You know, building a business, 
you know, you can break it down to a really simple nature. Listen to your customers, right? And do what you say. And if you just do those things, you can actually build a really great business. But a lot of the times people just don't do what they say. And that starts building distrust amongst you and your customers. And they start going elsewhere and someone comes in and builds something better. And so I think what you're saying, there's a lot of levels to that. Why, why do you distrust when you see the star star? Because there's a default way for doing things on eBay and you are now taking that away. And, but, and no one said why. No one gave any explanation. And if there was a good reason They to did that, give an explanation. And the thing that annoyed me was the same thing that I heard during GameStop, which is we're trying to protect people, which I feel as though I'm being talked down to. But who asked for the, protection? I, I, right? I think what you're saying is you're calling BS. Yeah. Right? And, and again, that, does, that wasn't a good enough reason. So like take two, what's, what's the actual reason? Right. Yeah. And I think that's what they got to just listen. Like if the sense was, Hey, we, we're calling BS on that reason. Tell us a little bit more, be transparent about it. Right. And if, if there was a really good reason for doing it, right. And I can think of some good ones, but they didn't say it. Right. It could right. be, Hey, you can tell who's bidding on it. And that person wants to keep, keep their anonymity. Right. Um, okay. What do you a- think about that? Which part? I guess people keeping their anonymity. I mean, I guess that's the way they do it at Christie's. I, I think there is, we got to have anonymity and trust. Like it is completely fair. Like a lot of people have made a lot of money in this hobby and they don't want to tell their families or they don't want people around them to change their behavior because they own a, you know, a million dollar card. Right. And so they're not going to be the ones that take pictures of it. They don't want people to know their eBay username. They want to remove as much friction as possible. And they just want to do it. They, they're, they want to decompress and it's, it's theirs. They, they enjoy this for themselves. And I think that's perfectly fair. But I think at the same time, we need to remove the mechanism and thought process that I got screwed from buying this card, right? Because I can't see who bought it. And I think that person is associated with X, Y, and Z, right? Hmm. And so there should be a way to verify it. The problem is that no one trusts these entities, right? No one, if we need somebody who says, trust me, nothing bad happened. And for people to trust them. And the problem is when people say that no one trusts them. And it, mm. the question is why it's because all the things that go on behind the scenes, there's no third party, like verifying it. There's too much shadiness associated with these entities. And the story doesn't hold true. Something is missing. And yeah. I keep, you know, one of the things that we talk about at Alt is like, you cannot anoint yourself as a, a company that is trustworthy. The hobby or the community has to do it. And the way you do that is one thing at a time. Like right now our trust bank is zero and every action that we do and everything time that we do what we say, we insert, everyone inserts a coin into our trust bank. And over time, we will build trust. But a lot of people just assume that people should just trust them because they're selling $20 million cards. And that's not true. You have to do what you say. And if you do that over and over again, people will trust you. Uh, Lior, I appreciate you. I know you're, you're tight on time. Uh, people can go and sign up at onlyalt.com, correct? They can. We're taking people aggressively off the wait list. We want everybody to give us feedback. Give us the hard feedback. Tell us what's resonating, what's not. And this resonating. is in the bubbles that I see on the when on I'm the using bottom it. right. Yeah, we have. We are trying to really take the feedback and iterate and change things really quickly based on what people are saying. And so that's the one thing that people can count on. Give us the things that are working and not working. And what you'll see is that we will tell you exactly why we did them and what our plans is to change them if they're not working out. So we're early. We're experimenting. Nothing is set in stone. One thing I liked is I can enter in the the cert number for my graded card. How many cards do you guys have in there? Uh, we have our catalogs, so all the cards that we recognize, it's over 10 million. 
right now, I mean, there's I think 10 million, I there's 10 million cards exist. There's over 10 million cards that exist on alt. Probably right now people are adding in the thousands per day. People are just going there and typing it in and they're typing it in. And these people that are not putting their cards in the vault, they're just using the portfolio system for their cards. It's a, it's a combination. So the, the, you can utilize alt without sending cards to us and utilizing the exchange. You can just use it in order to understand how much your portfolio is worth. It's a free service that we offer so that people can understand things. And we know that when it's the right time for you to sell something, you will come to us. Right. And so we are not putting any barrier behind that. And then can anyone touch my cards in the vault? Is Chris getting his like peanut butter fingers on my cards right now? No, there's, there's a vault team. It's a very secure location. We are developing a lot of different protocols in place. Uh, we want to make sure that it's safe. Uh, and we are going to share more of these practices over time. But no, it's not. You can't. No random person can just walk in there and be like, oh, I just want to open this up. Oh, my God. Could you believe this came in today? An Adam Lefko PSA 10 tops update card. Uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about before I sign off? Uh, or any think, question you'd like to ask me? I want to know how much you think your card is going to be worth once I get it graded and it comes back as a PSA 10 auto eight. Cause I saw you got the, the gold on it went off the page a little bit. So I'm gonna have to upgrade. I I'm waiting for mine still. And if I don't get a 10, I'm going to be so pissed. I'm going to be so mad. Uh, how much would people pay for it? I would say for a graded Lefko, cause we haven't even seen any get sold raw. Uh, I put my value at $33 is what I would Let me put it in a different way. You sent out these cards to people. How does it feel if your card were to sell that someone is actually selling? I would, I would love it. I would love it. I've been telling people, uh, I was like, I'm honestly, I'll be more excited for the first person to sell it. I'll buy it. I'll be the buyer on the other side. I don't think I can sell it. See, I like, I do need to, I need to check. I haven't checked. I'll put up mine. I'll put up mine for a crazy amount. And if it does sell, we can go on vacation together somewhere. That way, at that's least the plan. Something cool. I want somebody really set the market really, really high. Um, all right, was there anything else? That's all I got for you. Okay. Uh, Lior, thank you. Onlyalt.com or your personal gem mints only. Gems underscore only eight. Lior is apparently a big fan of underscores uh, in a lot of his accounts, which is odd. Yeah. All right, man. Good talking to you. Uh, you too, man.